to another episode of The Central Word, a podcast ministry of Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. Today's episode is from the morning message of Sunday, December 31st, and is preached by our pastor, Brother Mike Silvey. Our desire is that this message builds you up in your faith as you walk daily with Christ. Here now is Brother Mike with his message from this past Sunday. chapter 3, we'll look at the first 12 verses that shows us how God used him to do something new. And I think God wants to use us as well in the same way that he used John the Baptist, and that is to prepare the way of the Lord. This coming year, there's going to be some new things God wants to do in our life, some new things he wants to do in other people's lives. We need to prepare the way of the Lord, and we're going to look at John the Baptist here and see how the Lord used him to bring in the new, uh, to encourage us and guide us to also bring in the new things that the Lord wants. Matthew chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. God used John the Baptist to do something new. Can you imagine inviting John the Baptist to your New Year's Eve party? He come dressed in his camel suit, camel hair suit, with his uh, locust and honey breath. You know, he's not exactly the picture of someone who uh, wins friends and uh, influences people. But God used him to do something new and to touch a lot of people. Actually, John did have a party and a lot of people came. The Bible tells us here that all of Jerusalem and all of Judea and all the people of that area came and they were confessing their sins and were baptized. God did something new. And God wants to do something new in our lives as well. God's always doing something new. And he's giving us more time so that he can continue to do something new in our lives and to reach new people and to use us to reach new people around us. So New Year's is a time of new paths, new roads, new turns, even a, a new you. And God wants to use you in your life to do something new in this world and in someone else's life. So John's mission and your mission is the same, to prepare the way of the Lord. That's how we become new, is that we receive the way of the Lord. 
when he is working, when he is moving, his way always makes things new. And so to know the way of the Lord is to become new. With the Lord there is new life, a new heart, a new mind, a new spirit, a new purpose to live out with our new family whom we will spend every new year with in our new home, in the new world that God will create one day in the future. God is into the new. And so as we go into the new year and we let him have his way in our life, he'll do something new. Now let's look at the life of John the Baptist and see how God used him. And I want to give you several do's and don'ts about um, embracing the new and trying to allow the Lord to use us to bring in the new. Number one is surrender your way to the Lord. He, not you, makes all things new. So the first one's to do. Surrender your way to the Lord if you want to see all things become new. Now we... If we're in control, uh, we make all things worse. But the Lord makes all things new. He makes all things better. So as we surrender our hearts again to him this year, if we surrender our homes to him again this year, as we surrender our days and our very life, then God will come and he will do something new through us. And it will be something new that can and will last forever. And begin with John the Baptist with a surrender. John had to surrender, and so do you, and so do I. The description of him in verse 1 shows us his surrender. His name, John, means um, to be graced by the Lord. That's what the name John means. Now, this was a name that God picked out for John because God had in mind to work in John's life in an extraordinary way. And so the angel Gabriel was sent to John the Baptist's mother and father, and the angel told them that that this would be an unusual person. Uh, They could not have any children. They were elderly. Uh, God intervened supernaturally in their life to give them a, a, a boy, a son. And God said, you'll call his name John because he's going to be the prophet of the highest. He's going to go before the Lord prepare a way for him. And what was unusual about this is that in that day and time, the firstborn son was normally named after the father or named after some other male in the family, but there was no one named John in their family. The Bible mentions this. And, and so this was God's name given to John for a reason. It indicated how John was going to be changed. And it actually symbolized, his very name symbolized how he had surrendered himself by the grace of God to the Lord. And we don't read the detail about it, but there was a time in which John had to come to the point where he realized he was a sinner that needed to be saved. And he surrendered his life to the Lord. He would say later in John chapter 1 that, um, that he was not worthy even to bow down and unloosen the sandal of Christ. And so that was John's mindset. He was surrendered to the Lord. He knew the Lord was exalted. He was the Savior and he needed him. And he had surrendered his life. And his name John 
pictures that for us, that he surrendered and became a Christian. He repented of his sin. This word repent that John came preaching means to turn. It means to have a, a change of mind that leads to a change of heart, that leads to a change in life. Where you begin to see yourself for who you are, a sinner needs to be saved, and you see the Lord for who he is, the Lord of glory, who is the Ancient of Days, who's worthy of all glory and all power and all worship. And we must bow down before him. We need him. John came to this point in his life and he surrendered his way to the Lord. That's the only way the Lord could use him to do something new. And that's the only way he can use us. So the first step is that we surrender our way to the Lord. John surrendered his heart. And then we also see from verse 1 that he, he surrendered and he was changed in his identity. He's known as John the Baptist. Now, we're not called Baptists after John the Baptist, but we are called Baptists for the same reason that John was called John the Baptist. And so this part of the phrase speaks about John's identity, speaks about what he was doing for the Lord, and he came baptizing, the Bible says, because the Lord told him to. And it was God's way of recognizing who the Messiah was. John was told to come baptizing, and he said, whoever you see come to be baptized, that uh, the Holy Spirit, like a dove, lights upon that person that one is the anointed one. That is the Messiah. John testified. He said, that's the only way I knew who he was. Is that I testified, I, I saw the dove, the Holy Spirit, descend upon him and identified who he was. And John identified with the Lord. And through what he was doing, baptizing others, that was the way that they were identifying with the Lord as well. And that's what baptism does. Baptism identifies us with the Lord. And so John's identity was changed. Where did, where did we get the name Baptist? It's because there were people along the way that were our spiritual ancestors that also knew that it was important to baptize according to what the scripture says. And uh, when they insisted upon rebaptizing certain people that weren't baptized the right way in the beginning, uh, they were called Anabaptists. That word Anna means again, and bab Baptist means to immerse in water. And so there was a certain time in which people were called Anabaptists who did this. And after time went by, they dropped the Anna and they just called themselves Baptists. That's how we got our name. And it's the same way that John got his name, is they came baptizing. They came identifying with the Lord and helping other people identify with the Lord as well. This was part of how John surrendered himself. His heart was changed, his identity was changed, and his life mission was changed. God called him to be a preacher. So verse 1 says he came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. So God wants to use all of us to get his message out. For some, he calls them to be a preacher with a pulpit, and that's what God has called me to do. I argued with him 
when he began to call me to do this, I tried to convince him I could not do it. Uh, but he had in mind all those years before when I used to sit on the back row of this church building and God was calling me to preach and I, I was looking at, at, at the pulpit from the back row saying there's no way I can get up there and do that. That God had in mind for me to be up here one day like I am right now doing what I'm doing. Now that's not to my credit. Like I said, I argued with the Lord a long time. And I still don't feel like I'm the preacher that I should be for the Lord. But the Lord wanted me to be a voice. And that's what I try to, to be, is a voice sharing his truth from his word. But all of us have a voice. And all of us can be used by the Lord out in our ordinary life to, to be a voice that's proclaiming God's truth. That's what the word preach means. It means to publish. It means to proclaim. And so some do that behind a pulpit, but others do that at a workplace, by a workbench. Some do it out at a, at a classroom in a school or in a neighborhood um, or maybe on a computer. There's many different ways that we can be used by the Lord to get the message out. And that leads us to point number two. And that is a do and a don't. Number two, from John's life, we learned that we just do need to tell what we know. You don't have to have all the answers. Look again at how John described himself in verse three. He said that he is just a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. To make his path straight means to let him have control. It means just to let him have his way. Let him lead how he wants to lead, to do what he wants to do, and we're along for the ride. And so John came saying, I'm just a voice. Now, they had a lot of questions for John. But John didn't have all the answers, and he admitted that. They said, are you the Christ? He answered that when he said, no, I'm not the Christ. They said, are you Elijah? Are you the prophet that Moses talked about? He didn't give them answers about all that. He just said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness. This is what I know, that God's given me a voice, and I'm supposed to use it to share his truth, prepare his way. And that's what he's called all of us to be, is to be a voice, to speak into someone else's life and prepare the way for the Lord to come into their life. And there's ways that all of us can do this. We can, just in ordinary conversation, talk to somebody else about their life, about their heart, about their future, about questions they've got. Simple question, what do you think about Jesus? And have you ever considered surrendering your life to him? Do you know for certain that your relationship with the Lord is settled? Do you know where you're going in the future when you die? All these things can come up in ordinary conversation that can just open the way so that the Lord and his truth can come in somebody else's life. And God wants to use us in that way. You know, every once in a while we, we'll get these unwanted calls or we get unwanted texts. Seems like that happens more and more. And there was a time, and there's still some times where if I'm really, really busy, you know, I'll just kind of ignore them. But I realized at one point that um, I could use that to share a word with somebody else. As a text came my way, 
And sometimes the texts are not very nice texts at all that people are sending out there. I would just reply with a gospel presentation, not knowing who that person was, not knowing what was on the other end, but that I knew that there was some human being on the other end that would read it, possibly. And uh, I would send that back. So social media, we can share the word with other people. It can be through a book. You have somebody in your life that's close to the Lord, maybe they'll be open to a book that shares a life story that they can relate to. And we can put that in somebody's hands. Or maybe it's just sharing a gospel tract or just going in opportunities that we have to to share the Lord with others. But all this is are ways that we can tell what we know. We don't have to have all the answers. We can just tell what we know, just like John the Baptist did. In our church, we have opportunities where you can share Christ with others. In our Awana ministry with children, we share the gospel with them every week that we have Awana. And maybe the Lord wants to use you this year to begin sharing the gospel with children. You know, it's children that are the highest percentage of people that will receive Christ. It's between the ages of, I believe it is, 5 and 14. That's called the golden time for the gospel. That more people accept Christ during those years than at any other time in their life. And so to be sharing the gospel with children through a ministry like Awana is a great opportunity. In fact, today, following our service for just a few moments, uh, Brother Hunter is going to gather with the Wana workers and talk about the year that's coming up. And those who want to be involved in Awana are invited to come to the meeting and talk about how they can be involved. You can do a variety of things in Awana. You don't have to just teach. You can do a lot of things, and maybe God wants to use you in that way. We've got a prison ministry. Brother Chris leads that. It's another way that we have organized outreach where you have an intentional opportunity to go share. And I've been uh, to, to the prison with Brother Chris, and I guarantee you, if you'll go, every single time you go, you'll have an opportunity to share Christ with somebody else. And so we have these opportunities that we can share Christ and be a voice. And God wants to use us to prepare his way of coming into someone's life, just like John the Baptist did. Point number three is a don't. From his life, I would say, don't trust in how you look or how you sound. The power is in the message. Now you think about how John the Baptist looked. We read his description here. Dressed in camel's hair. That sounded like a real bad looking leisure suit to me. <clears throat> some of you don't know what that is, but some of us do with a leather belt, locust and honey on his breath. He, he was, you know, I, I kind of imagine the picture like the, the Duck Dynasty guys, but just a whole lot rougher. And so if he were to show up on your doorstep, what would you do? You know, he, he, his looks were not very inviting. And he had gone out into the wilderness, and God there was working in his life. 
But it, his power was not in how he looked or even how he talked. It was in what he said. And that's where the power is for us too. The power is in the message. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. And so if we share the gospel, it's powerful in the prison. It's powerful in the Awana ministry. It's powerful in our neighborhoods. It's powerful on social media. As we share it where we can, then God uses that message. I remember years ago, the first church that I ever pastored, <clears throat> I was in the office one afternoon just studying and uh, just out of the blue, a lady walks into the building. She came looking for some assistance. And um, she began to share some of her story about how things had worked was tough and that she needed some groceries, needed some help. So uh, I, I got together some resources that we had on hand and uh, offered those to her. And then before the conversation was over, uh, I just took a moment to talk to her about how, you know, these groceries that we were getting her were going to last a little while, and they were going to be useful, and we were glad to provide them, but they were going to come and go. They were going to be gone very quickly. But there was bread that I wanted her to know about that lasts forever, that could feed her hungry soul. And once she received that bread from Christ, that it would never, ever go away. It would last forever. And I just took a short moment just to share the gospel with her. And she just sat there and listened. She didn't really respond. She didn't say yes or no. She didn't really give me any kind of indication that it was getting through. And after the conversation was over, she left. And I never saw her again. And I actually thought, that didn't do much good. <laughs> you know, a lot of times you talk to people and you're sharing something very important. But you, you just kind of feel like it just doesn't land. I felt that way that day. And I, I never saw that lady again. I've never seen her since. But about five years after that event, I was at a national associational meeting and I was sitting in a large group of people and a fellow pastor of mine who pastored at that time in the same city that I was in, which was the Memphis, uh, Tennessee area, he came over to my seat and he just sat down next to me and he said, Mike, I just want you to know that uh, there's a lady in our church that came by your office years ago. I don't know if you remember her or not, but uh, her name's Regina, and she came by asking for some help with groceries, and you helped her, and you shared the gospel with her. And I just want you to know that after that, she prayed to receive Christ. And she joined our church. And she's one of our most faithful workers. In fact, she leads our children's ministry. And I was just blown away. The lady left the office that day, and I thought, well, that was a blown opportunity. You know, I tried. I was just a voice. But the power was in the message. And God was coming, and he came into that lady's life. And now he's still working in her life and touching children's lives there in her church. And every time I think about it, I just smile and just think about how God used just the little bit that I had and he made something new. 
And I'm wondering, how does he want to do that in your life and in my life this year, in 2024? We're a voice. We can tell what we know. We don't have to have all the answers. We just have to be surrendered to him, trust the powers in the message. And then finally, number four, from John's experience, I would say, more will follow after you. Do what you can and trust God with the results. John says in verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly clean out his fleshing floor, threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So John understood a very important reality, and that is the Lord uses us, but we're not all the Lord has. And there's more coming after us. Once we plant the seed, once we share, God does his work. The Lord's the one who gathers into his barn, John says. The Lord's the one who calls. The Lord's the one who cleanses people's lives. And after John, the Lord himself came. And then after the Lord, his, his apostles went into the world. Peter went through all the, the area of, of the Holy Land and, and shared the power of the Lord. And Paul then went to the othermost parts of the earth and shared the power of the Lord and the gospel of the Lord. And we're still benefiting from that today. And so the Lord has more after us. We just need to do what we can and then leave the results with him because he's the life changer. He's the one that can come and bring the Holy Spirit into people's lives. What is he talking about there when he says that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire? He's talking about two aspects of the Lord's impact in people's lives. The Holy Spirit on the front end. Once you come to him and you say yes to him, you surrender to him, then he fills you with the Holy Spirit. He gives you his Holy Spirit on the inside that begins to mature you and lead you and guide you, empower you to help you to know how to talk about the Lord. And most importantly, he, he purifies you. He begins to conform you to the image of his Son. And the Bible says that if we don't have his Spirit, that we don't have anything from him. His Spirit is everything that he has in mind for us today. And so through His Spirit, He's changing us and changing others through us. But then the other aspect of His ministry, the fire, is that for all those who say no, all those who hear the message, who continue to say no to the Lord over and over and over again, eventually if you say no to His love, then John's saying you're going to know the fires of His judgment. And the Lord doesn't want that. The Bible says the Lord has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what the Lord wants. But if we hold out, and others hold out, and they eventually refuse and say no, there will be a time of judgment in which God will call all life into account.
And we'll have to, have to give an account about how we responded to the message that we heard from him in our life. And if we say no to him, no to his love, no to his Holy Spirit, then the only other option, the only other thing that he's got for us is his judgment. And that's not the Lord being unkind. It's not the Lord being revengeful. It's, it's just, that's who the Lord is. He's holy and righteous. And he cannot overlook our sin and overlook wickedness in this world. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Central Word. Our prayer is that this message will encourage you in your walk with Christ as we dive into God's Word each and every week. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you in the week to come.